Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. This is a league of A's and B's. It's green and red and gold and black and blue. This is a league with two official languages and many unofficial languages. It's East versus West, Wheat versus Iron, Love versus Hate. This is a league where superstars are extraordinary and ordinary at the same time. It's a league of ice, of fog, of mud and wind. And for one Sunday in November, it's the nation's glue. This is a league as diverse as a country, a league of Jacksons and Kwongs, Johnsons, Moscas, O'Shea's, and Haji Razulis. This is his league, his league, her league, their league, and their league. It's my league, and it's your league. This is our league. Welcome, everybody, to From the 55-Yard Line with Scott and myself. And uh, it's been about two months since our last podcast, but for, you know, well, Scott's retired, so he's working on, he's doing some writing projects. Myself, you know, life and, and career have kind of uh, pulled me away from everything. So, But we're back, and we just wrapped up a great interview with the play-by-play man with the Toronto Argonauts, Mike Hogan. And he's also a writer at Argonauts.ca. And anybody who's listening in Toronto, he obviously needs no introduction. So, but we just wrapped up uh, an interview with him. And so Scott and I are going to talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, in football right now. And right now the entire football world, at least if you believe it on Twitter, all the eyes are focused, not on free agency, but on the USFL down in Birmingham. And, you know, uh, our podcast is one of the few that actually has a man on the scene with the USL. <laughs> <laughs> just just because I live here and just, just because they're here. So, yeah, I mean, know. you know, it's like you and I, you know, you could you you work for free. And it's just location, location, location. So so Absolutely. what's up, my friend? Ah, uh, not much. Just uh you know, getting ready for the the trend the weather transition here. We've had, you know, we're we're entering the tornado portion of our program here down in the deep south. Oh, so yeah. racing for that, but it's going to be 65 here in Chicago today. The sun is out shining. So that's why today's podcast, actually we're getting like under an hour in this podcast only because, you know, you and I both have things to do because the weather's nice. Yeah. We get to go out and play today. Yeah. So what's going on in terms of just with the USFL? I mean, we're not, you know, we're not video, but Scott's background in the background, he has a 
Birmingham Stallions pennant, and I've got one. Well, what do I got? I got a Wrangler, and I got the Philadelphia Stars hanging out in my in the background of my on my video. So, what's going on with the Stallions in the USFL? What's the buzz down in, in Birmingham? Well, I know training camp starts this week, so you know finally we'll. I mean, they've got season starts April sixteenth, so uh, you know that's that's going to be interesting to me because finally they're going to start practicing and it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly these coaches can put teams together. I mean, that's, you know, you're going from, from zero to 80 pretty quickly, you know, as far as trying to put a team on the field. So, well, and almost to me, I mean, just, you know, without bringing the other leagues up, but let's talk about the first XFL. It kind of reminds me of how that was all kind of put together. Training camps are real short. And then, you know, obviously we, we saw the quality of the play 20 some years ago with the first XFL. Do you think it's going to be kind of that quality of player? Do you suspect anything better? Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's always the, I guess the worry that, you know, you only got, got three weeks because, you know, again, it's not a situation where you have an established team that lost players and you're replacing the players. I mean, this, these are all brand new teams, you know, guys that for the most part have never played together before. So, yeah. That's intriguing and exciting in a way, but, you know, to, to me, a couple of things can happen. You know, the opening game between Birmingham and New Jersey, you know, they're going to be mistakes because it's opening game, but it oh, could yeah. be a game full of exciting mistakes or it could I be really boring. there's going to be a lot of flags. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a lot of flags, a lot of mistakes if, if we end up with a 42 to 31 kind of game. Yeah. But if it's a lot of flags and a lot of mistakes and it's – you know, 10 to three, eh, that's not good. I mean, obviously a league like this, which is pretty much a made for television league anyway, right. especially that first weekend, they want to make a good impression. And you've right. got the first game on Saturday and then a triple header on Easter. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see, you know, who hangs around and watches those games. But, I mean, help me out here. I mean, in terms of the calendar, is that after the end? Is that after the final four? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. they'll have yeah. – you know, other than and, and I don't even know when Major League Baseball starts now, but I mean, I guess right. that would be, you know, that in the NBA would. We should have asked Mike. We should have asked Mike that during an interview because we, uh, yeah, we we got it. We got a little baseball talk in there. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we almost yeah. went from the fifty-five yard line to from the pitching mound or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when it comes to the new league, I mean, obviously the 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 first weekend is going to be. I mean, the ratings. If the, you know. With all these leagues, it's always, well, we got to have a great rating that first weekend. But the problem is, is let's go to weekend eight, where the ratings end. So that begs the question, you know, I mean, we both want to see it succeed, but, you know, I mean, you and I have been, you and I are both old guys now. I mean, we've seen every, every league start off strong and just literally whimper away. And uh, yeah, no, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting, I guess. That's the only way to – man, there's a lot of great buzz on Twitter, but as you said before, hey, Twitter's not the real world. Well, you know, one thing that they – a very smart move by the USFL is tickets are $10, and with that $10 ticket, you can get in up to three kids 15 and under. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so from the standpoint of optics, I mean, this is a 47,000-seat stadium, protective stadium. Right. Uh, you know, if you have – 35, 45,000 people. I mean, that's yeah. going to look really good on television. Yeah. You know, yeah. I obviously wouldn't expect that the next day. I mean, and, oh, well, and yeah, that, that, it's like, 
Well, the next day is a triple header, but these tickets that you buy are for a full day. Right. So if you want to do it, you know, if you want to take, you know, the three kids, you could go on Easter Sunday morning and watch a triple header, you know, for yeah. one price. So, so they're really handling that well, as far as getting fannies in the seats. I mean, because let's face it, you know, whether you're going to a movie or whatever, you can't do anything for 10 bucks. So right. that's a right. very good marketing move on their part. Well, just let's hope the weather cooperates too. Cause yeah, that, and that's another yeah. thing here, here in Birmingham. I mean, on April 16th in Birmingham, it could be a, as they call it, chamber of commerce day where it's 75 degrees and sunny, or there could be tornadoes with flying sharks. I mean, there's just all yeah. kinds of, <laughs> of different scenarios you can deal with, with, you know, April weather in Alabama. Yeah. Well, and also too, and there's something, and I'll be honest with you, I've been away from kind of the football, the, you know, the USFL news for, for a few days. How about maybe for about two weeks, just only because of work and everything. But do we have anything new in the lawsuit? Uh, the last, I, this is kind of interesting. The last I heard is the hearing is going to be on April 18th. So in a worst case scenario, you could have the first weekend of the new USFL as the USFL with teams like the Birmingham Stallion, right. Michigan Panthers. And you could jump to the second weekend if there's an injunction. And all you have the logos like the ult- being taped over. Yeah, you have the ultimate spring football league or whatever they would have to temporarily change the name to. Everybody rips the logos off their helm, you know. So, and obviously that's a worst case scenario. Yeah. But again, when you're dealing with, yeah, and you know a lot more about it than I do, but who knows what's going to happen well, in, in terms of what a judge rules. Well, and, you know, that was interesting just kind of when that all kind of came out. And I've been in enough courtrooms in my 30 years and doing what I do for a living to know, um, you know, because he had a lot of, you know, obviously uh, Facebook, as I like to call them, Facebook legal experts, Twitter legal experts weighing in on it. And I all I said was and I didn't even I just I followed, but I'm like, I just said, listen, you don't know what the judge is good, what the judge is going to how the judge is going to see it, because when a when a judge looks at a case he is truly looking at it independently and maybe there is merit to it. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I will not, you know, but anybody out there, you know, banking, you know, Oh yeah, no, that's going to be easily. You you just don't know that. I mean, that's maybe there is. Um, My opinion is, is I don't think Larry Zonka would have put his name to this if he didn't think there was a reason, but again, I'm biased. I love Larry Zonka. I grew up with that. You know, I worshiped the guy when I was a kid, when he was a football player, remember his last game, still have his last game on, on. So I'm biased in that sense, but, but we just don't know. And that's really the the bottom. We all wanted to see it succeed, but you know, and also there's also another part of it, you know, would Fox have bought into this had their lawyers not signed off on it. Now having lawyers signing off on it, is just because a lawyer signs off on it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, things are good too either. That's something else. Well, and here's another thing, and I realize the the lawsuit or, or whatever has to do with intellectual property and, and this sort of thing. But one thing that's that I do find amusing is now, you know, when you get a something from USFL media, you know, where they're telling you about a news conference or whatever, you know, at the very end of it, it said, this is a new league that is not affiliated with the 1980s league. You know, yeah. they, they make that very clear. But right. but they introduced themselves to the world 
via the Fox Sports Twitter feed with Doug Flutie saying the USFL is back and then showing a montage of photos of some of the greats of the original USFL. Right. So obviously, when they first started, they wanted to try to ride the nostalgia coattails oh, yeah. of the original XFL. And as you and I have talked about, of course, they have nothing to do with the original XF, or original USFL, which is why I wish they had just called themselves something else and had different nicknames for the teams. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, because, yeah. Yeah. I agree 100% with you. Or, okay, go with that Flutie and embrace the history of it, but go completely all in on embracing it. You well, know, if you're going to embrace it, that means that you go after the the NFL for talent and you start drafting Heisman Trophy winners. You know, that's or thing, you so. look at you go to the old owners and pay them off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really? True. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have a lawsuit. You don't have a lawsuit. You give Larry Zonka money. You give the guys that are the estates that are stuff. You even give, you know, you know, certain former president, you know, his mm-hmm. due and his, his mm-hmm. you know, whether you like him or not. You know, and, and, you know, you and I both know he's not the reason why that league ultimately failed, but, you know, he was the one driving the bus at the time it crashed. But with that said, I mean, that's how they should have done it, gone all in, brought in some of the old ownership saying you want to be a part of this. Yeah, you know, even maybe. that, though, yeah, to maybe. me, I mean, this was something that lasted from 83 to 85, and here we are in 2022. I mean, that's – yeah, no. I mean, that that's like if someone down the road, we're going to bring back the World Football League. Well, no, you're not. You're going to bring back something called the World Football right. League, but the World Football League died in 1975, yeah. October 22nd, it, 1975. And it, is in, and it is interesting talking to, you know, kind of following everything on social media. You got the hardcore, you know, you got the guys that are like us, older, like, you know, screw that. You know, this is not, you know. And then you've got the new guys, and then there's like you and I right in the middle going, yeah, we love the old league. We want to see the new league succeed, but you new guys and old, you know, you new guys need to talk to the old guys. And if you want, you don't want animosity. You guys got to talk to each other, and the new guys at least have to acknowledge it. And I think the new guys do acknowledge it. History. I'm just curious how you bring, especially the hardcore guys, are like, screw that. This is not my league. How do you bring, you know, how do you, how do you bridge that gap? I mean, Jeff Perlman, did you read the article on Jeff, by Jeff Perlman? Put oh, out yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That was, uh, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, he wrote that well after we interviewed him. And also, and I, you know, the Mark cast interviewed Jeff Perlman literally right after we interviewed Jeff. And so when I listened to those guys, it was, it was interesting. We talked about the history and whereas Reed and Reed and well, Reed talked to, to Jeff about the new league. And you could really get a sense that Jeff was not enthused with the new league. And obviously his, you know, his uh, article, you know, definitely made that very clear, but it was a great article, but yeah, I mean, he had had a lot of good valid points in terms of kind of moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the bottom line is regardless of what this league is called, it's extreme. I mean, everything about it's different. The business model. Yeah. The only similarities other than the fact that they've, you know, gotten similar logos and, and the same names is they're playing in the spring. But, you know, it's just and, and again, I, and I've, I've written this before. I'm a complete hypocrite because I'm a New York Cosmos soccer fan. So whether the soccer, the Cosmos were in the original NASL or the, you know, the new NASL or, or NISA or whatever league they were in, I still. Yeah. Oh, I love the Cosmos. But yeah. 
when it came to the USFL, the original USFL, I just wanted them left alone. I wanted them to oh, yeah. Yeah. have their little, you know, be in a stasis cube of history where we can look back on what it was and right. then just, you know, move forward. But, you know, it, again, that's just, yeah. that's just well, it's kind of like, you know, when you get a new new pet, you don't want to name the new pet after the old pet. Yeah, I mean, the only because... time where that works is Doctor <laughs> Who, you know, I mean, you. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And then, hey, with that said, and so we talked about the USFL. We got the new season with the CFL coming up, and we just got spent uh, about 40 minutes with Mike Hogan with the Argos, and that was a great that was a great way to spend, uh, you know, sitting down with him. I mean, just, you know, you and I both have heard on play-by-play, so it's nice to – it's it, it's been a while, I think, since we've talked, and I'd have to look back at it, all the people we've interviewed, but it's been a while since we've had basically a league insider, maybe since even with Matt Dunnigan to sit down and talk with us about Canadian football. And, you know, we talked about his memories of not only being, you know, in the booth, but, you know, talking about him, Chris Schultz, with him and Chris Schultz, but also talking about his memories of the Argos way back when, even before he even became, you know, you know, was a, a broadcaster. So um, with the moves that are being made, man, what do you think is going to happen this season? Do you see, are we going to be uh, another Winnipeg Hamilton Grey Cup? Uh, you know, I mean, I kind of agree with what Mike was talking about. I think this year there's really not necessarily a weak link in the in the league, so yeah. it could be it could be pretty wide open. You know, as a Ticats fan, I hated losing Brandon Banks. But, you know, now they're going to, you know all in on Dane Evans at quarterback. I mean, yeah. I think Hamilton's going to have a great defense. I think they're going to be. Uh, I think their offensive line is going to be improved. So, yeah. you know, I follow them obviously the most closely because I cheer for them. So right. I certainly think they have a chance to get back. But good grief. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm hoping the BC Lions, I mean, not only do great on the field, but also do great at the gate to that. uh, But new, I'm curious to see what, how the new ownership is going to, uh, how, how that's, how the new ownership's going to basically put more butts in seats, how they're going to, what their marketing strategy is moving forward. Um, You know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the product is on TV. So. Well, and everything I've seen so far, you know, the new ownership, I mean, they're making all the right moves, doing all the right things that they they should do to, yeah. you know, to set the table to be successful in the future. Right. So, I, you know, I just feel great about it. I mean, to me, we've talked about this a lot of times. I mean, to me, the start of football season is when the CFL season starts. Right. To know that it's just three months away and that we're going to have a normal season this year with a regular 18-game regular season, a couple of preseason games, and everything's going to go is it as it did pre-pandemic. Yeah. I mean, even last year, I was glad to have it back last year, but still, it was different. It was a shorter yeah. season. Yeah. It started later, and it's just a different yeah. vibe. Yeah, I mean, when we have a regular CFL season, that's kind of the, you know, then by the time we get to September, then we get the NFL that comes in, and we get a, we get a you know, it's like we get bonus. So it's, um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, um, you know, if all goes well, I'll be on the other side of the planet by the time we get to kickoff, but I don't foresee that. So, and uh, so it'll make it doing our um, podcast interviews a little bit tricky, at least on my end, but we're still going to be doing them. And, um, you know, talking football, you know, you just mentioned, you know, football season starts when the CFL season, but on the Sports History Network, football season never ends because uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're always talking football, always talking absolutely. sports history. So, well, with that said, hey, listen, everybody who's listening, um, please enjoy the interview that we had uh, just wrapped up here this morning with Mike Hogan. And um, hey, please feel free, you know, feel free to follow us um, on Twitter. Scott's at, Addis, at Adamson 
SL on Twitter. I'm at CFL America on Twitter. And as all, and if you're looking for, if you're this first time listening to the podcast, just type in uh, from the 55 yard line and all the platforms on which we are, our podcast is at will pop up. Some of which I have not even heard of because it's just every time I do a Google search of our podcast, I find somebody yet new, a podcatcher that has picked us up. So, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, my friend, listen, we will talk more later. And for everybody listening, please enjoy our interview with Mike Hogan and uh, hope to see you soon. Or actually hope to hear. We're not video. So it's, it's, that's that's kind of a, that's kind of a dumb statement. Hope to uh, hope to be uh, broadcasting soon here. We'll talk to you soon. How's both that? our man caves <laughs> um, via, you know, via the old fashioned uh, audio. Yeah. Like I said, we don't do, vi- we don't, we don't do video. We're we're at that point. Everybody's like, "Hey, have you done a video channel? Why?" We're oh, Scott and I. We're we're like we're we're like older dudes. We we, we you know. <laughs> well, I am man pretty. So well, you know. yeah, yeah. You did well, yeah. But hey, anybody who's listening, and I know I'm rambling on here, but yeah, the one thing if we did do video, everybody could see our man caves with our our mini helmet collections and our book collections. So, but yeah, you'll just have to imagine it in your mind. So anyway, with that. <laughs> everybody listen good uh, good to be back and um please enjoy our interview with uh mike hogan take care hi i'm oz davis of the true the goats podcast here at the sports history network i'd like to take a minute to tell you about quite possibly the greatest website of all time newspapers.com if you're listening to this podcast or any of them at the sports history network you're probably in sports history and you probably also know that for learning about anything prior to say 1990 online, the typical search engines like are nearly completely useless. But then there's newspapers.com. Newspapers.com gives you access to over 640 million pages worth of news from North America, Britain, Ireland, and more dating of 1798 to last week. Do up a search for Super Bowl One, the 36th Berlin Olympics, Wayne Gretzky's first game, whatever. Newspapers.com takes you there with historical flavor that search engines like just don't give you. And now get a free one-week subscription to Newspapers.com by visiting SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. With a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of Myth Podcast and other Sports History Network shows. That's SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. Newspapers.com. Way better for searches than you know what I'm talking about. Oh!
football fans will watch. Call those plays for victory. Pass the ball on the gray cup mark. Footballers with quality as they play to the gray cup march. Onward, men, you're here to play the greatest game of Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique items items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us, man. My pleasure. Always love talking football. It's it's nice to sit here. I mean, it's you know when before we came on here, we're talking, you know, camp's going to be opening here within weeks, so it's kind of getting exciting. I'm in Chicago. There's a hint of fall in the air because it's going to be about 60 degrees today. What's the weather like up at Toronto? It's nice, you know, uh, considering some of the weather, you know, our brethren are getting across the country. Uh, I'll take anything at this stage over zero, and all the snow is off my front lawn. So life is good. Yeah. And Scott, he's down in Birmingham, so he has no idea what we're talking about. What is yeah, this snow stuff? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's clear weather down here in a high of 72 today. So I don't like you, Scott. We're living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, the thing is, well, we've got baseball season coming up, and I know you're a huge Expos fan. Um, but I'm assuming, the lid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, back in the day, without going too baseball-ish, but back in the day, I mean, the ex, the great thing, the one thing I always loved about Canada was the Expos, because at the time, the you know, Expos and the Blue Jays, because it always gave the international flavor. So anytime I'd go to Wrigley Field or Comiskey Park, I, I wanted to go to either a Toronto game or an Expos game. So fortunately, I got to go to both. And the, the last, the Expos game that I went to, the most memorable was uh, one of Pete Rose's last games when he was in an Expos oh, nice. uniform. And if I don't know if you remember the play, but he hit a line drive off of Lee Smith. Ryan Sandberg caught it to end the game. And uh, when they were celebrating the, uh, the Wrigley Field's 100th, that was one of those uh, plays that they showed. And I got all excited because, you know, all of a sudden the, the, 12, you know, the 12-year-old came out at me and going, told my wife, I go, I was at that game. Awesome. Nice. So anyway, not to, not to, not to go too far off the bend with uh, baseball. So what's going on with the, uh, the Argonauts here? We've got the new season approaching and you know, when you, the Argos were real close to getting in the great cup last year. They're going to be able to do it this year. Well, I hope so. That's the goal. Um, I think we were pretty active in free agency this year. 
Um, not in terms of, of overwhelming numbers, but I think we've been able to upgrade a handful of positions, um, turn a couple of positions into Canadian positions and just be able to kind of balance the ratio a little bit differently. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, in my opinion, the best free agent on the market was Jagera Davis. Yeah. And we were able to snag him, which was huge because if, if there was, if there was one surprise to me last year in Argo land is that we didn't get a better pass rush. Um, because we brought in guys and, you know, uh, Charleston just wasn't Charleston last year for whatever reason. Um, and then, you know, Shane Ray gets hurt in the season opener in Calgary and doesn't really, uh, factor into things until very late in the season. And, uh, Cordero law showed flashes last year, but, you know, Davis just gives you that big stud at one end and Shane Ray, Ray wants to prove that he can be healthy. Uh, so, I mean, all of a sudden you've got two ends like that. Some other guys we brought in that we're, we're curious to see. So I, I think we're, I think on paper, we're a better team than we were a year ago, which is pretty exciting because we were a pretty good team a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it was exciting to watch, watch the team last year. Um, in general, just watching Canadian football was fun last year since we didn't get it the year before, but, um, yeah, no, I've always been, um, you know, I always say I'm a BC Lions fan and an Argos fan. So I've got both, co- I got, have both divisions covered and, um, you know, us being huge history buffs. I mean, the Argos, you know, the, when you talk about Canadian football and you don't talk about the Argos and you're not talking about Canadian football. And so I was wondering, I know you grew up in Ontario. And so when did your football fandom start? If you could tell us, give us a little history, a little background I, on it. I was a kid who played everything and watched everything. And you know, baseball was probably my number one, two, and three sports growing up. Um, and then, you know, hockey in the winter and, you know, basketball wasn't really there because there was only one game a week uh, and not all the way through the season either um, back in the day. And football was a, a sport that intrigued me, but wasn't my, my bread and butter, right? And, you know, so it was baseball, baseball, baseball. And the first games I remember, I was, I was a Ram fan and an Argo fan. And, and the, the reasoning is very, very basic. My favorite color is blue. So when I was a kid, <laughs> Expos, you know, and they were close and my dad liked the Expos as they came yeah. into the league. Um, I was a Buffalo Sabres fan when I was a little kid. Uh, I was an LA Rams fan first before I was an Eagles fan because of the uniforms. Those Rams uniforms were awesome. And my favorite player was Roman Gabriel because he had the coolest name ever. And when he got traded to Philly, I followed him and they had a running back named Mike Hogan. It's over. I mean, oh, Eagles. wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that became easy. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just love the uniform. And the, the first game I vividly remember, like I remember as a kid coming home from either playing hockey or playing football on a Saturday or a Sunday rather. And the Rams were always on the four o'clock game um, when you'd have, CBS and ABC, CBS and NBC, and that was it. You get the, the two choices of games. And the first Argo game I vividly remember watching was the 71 Grey Cup. Um, so, you know, just they were a blue team. That was it. Yeah. I had no, no real affinity for the city of Toronto or Montreal living in Kingston, which is, you know, halfway between the two and kind of the bottom of the triangle, if you include Ottawa. Um, they're all pretty much equidistant. So, I mean, I just, it, it was, it was a uniform color. Okay. And it, it's cool too, because, you know, when we've talked to other people who up in Canada, I mean, we talked to Jim Mullen, I don't recall us getting in this conversation, but um, in terms of talking about you guys in Canada, were able to get 
all the NFL games, correct? On, um, and I grew up in Detroit for a very brief period of time, so I know we had a CBC channel. But I always feel, and Scott is, feels the same way, we always feel we got screwed as kids, as sports fans growing up, not getting Canadian games, not being, you know, getting that option to watch a CFL game. I, I like, here's the one thing that, and, and it's always perplexed me, uh, why people love the NFL and hate the CFL or love the CFL and hate the NFL. Like if you're growing up where, where you guys do in Chicago or, or in Birmingham, I mean, you, you, you go to a high school game on a Friday night. And you really like the high school game, right? And you know the overwhelming majority of people who are playing on that Friday night are not going to play on Saturdays. Right. And then the next day, you're going to go to UAB or, or you're going to go to watch, uh, you know, Illinois or whatever, Northwestern, whatever your team is. And you're going to enjoy that game as much as you enjoyed the Friday night game. And you know there's a difference in caliber, but you enjoy both equally. And then you're going to go to Soldier Field or, you know, go to, you know, Atlanta or New Orleans or wherever you want to go and watch your team play on Sundays. And you're going to have an equally great time. Yeah. It's not the same. The guy, how many guys on the Friday are going to play on the Sunday? It doesn't matter. Football's football's football. Not only do we get to do that, but we got to do it with two different rules and two different strategies. Like it's, it's like watching a completely different game because guess what? It is a completely different game and viva la difference, right? Yeah. yeah, and that was exactly what led me into the CFL because they started showing truncated games during the summer in Birmingham. Like, I don't know if it's 1972, 1973. And to me, you know, completely unfamiliar with a three-down game, the, you know, the deep end zones, the wide field. I mean, I just fell in love with it immediately. And it gets exactly back to what you just said. I can enjoy any brand of football, and yeah, if you've got one brand that you can watch where there's four downs and, and whatever, and then another where you can turn around and there are three downs and it's wide open and there's an extra player, I mean, that was fantastic to me, and I just fell in love with the CFL immediately. It's the same thing like when the, when the USFL came around the first time. You know, uh, watching college football as much as I did and seeing, you know, Herschel Walker and Doug Flutie and, and Anthony Carter and Reggie White and all of these superstar players, uh, or Anthony Carter, sorry, and go, going to the uh, going to the USFL. It's like spring football, and these are the kind of guys I'm watching. How cool was that? So you know, the more football, the merrier. And you know, when when I started playing football in in, in high school, that's when the bug really bit. And I you know still love baseball, and then it was kind of baseball, football, hockey, kind of. All three loved college basketball too. And, you know, just uh, the, the older I got, the more I realized football is just in my brain by far the best sport in the world because you've got spectacular athletes. It's like playing chess with 300 pound guys because it's such a, a cerebral game. Yeah. And I always say it's the great unifier too. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that we all have. It doesn't matter what background we come from, what race we are, where, anywhere. And we'll talk more, you know, just even talking about on the international side, when it comes to sports, it's the universal language. And football, to me, is, you know, one of those languages that's starting to pick up. I mean, we're starting to see more and more um, people, you know, turning to football, whether it be on the, you know, we're obviously getting a couple new leagues down here, hopefully. And with the Canadian game, and uh, the Canadian game obviously took it, had to take a year off to the pandemic. Um, but it, it's... You know, people have said, well, the CFL is going to, no, nah, I don't think the CFL is going away, but it's going to take time to recover from the pandemic. Um, 
so when you're talking CFL football with Americans, what's the one thing that us Americans, other than Scott and I, just don't get? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Probably the motion. Okay. Although if you're a football fan, you've seen that kind of thing go on in arena league. But I, but I think when, when, when people see multiple guys in motion on a big field, it's kind of, whoa, what did I just see? Um, I've ta- I won't mention the quarterback, but a few years, we had a, a big-name quarterback come up here who just didn't get the Canadian game. you got to really narrow, narrow that down with big-name American quarterbacks <laughs> not getting the- – Yeah, but I don't want to dime the guy out, right, because I didn't do this interview as an interview. I did it, like, yeah. kind of casually on yeah. a road trip, and I said – hasn't clicked yet for you like we know there's more there what what's missing and he said i don't get the 20 second clock i can't do it because i'm used to getting the play call right. calling it the huddle going up looking at the defense you know making my call making the audible letting time play see if anybody's going to tip off anything on the defense and then getting my guys going and he said because I'm so used to a cadence that I've been doing since I was a kid, yeah. this has just sped up the process and I'm not there yet where I'm not making my reads as quickly as I should. Um, now this was very early in the season. So right. he got a little bit better as the season went on, but never really lived up to what he should have been up here. Right. And I think it just became a mental thing where it was just, Oh man, I just broke the huddle and it's at 15. What? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a great song down here by, I forget the name of the group, called All Kinds of Time, talking about football. And when I hear that song, I'm like, man, that Canadian football, you need to you need to literally have the, your plays written out in your head three plays ahead of time because of the 20-second because, because clock. Yeah, it's it, it's fast-paced. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they don't enforce, like they let it, you know, breathe a little bit between plays before they blow it in. And uh, I'd, I'd prefer if they just get back to it, let's go. Let's let's pace. Let's let's force the pace of the offense. Um, I agree completely. Yeah, turn yeah. and burn. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. It's twenty seconds. Let's go. And I think football, in, in my eyes, as much as I love it, I think it's the most overcoached sport there is. Uh, we've got really really smart guys out there. Let's let's let them go. Let's let's you know if you have to kind of let the guy know during the during the possession change when the defense is on the field. Here's what I want to attack this series, and let them have at it. Uh, have at it. A, it leads to I think a, a quicker pace of the game, and it probably leads to more mistakes. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with a guy, you know, getting picked off because he, they're not on the same page. Um, I, I just I just like to see that uh, implemented. And it's something. It's only going to be like five seconds of play. So is is it going to make a lot of difference? I don't know. But let's let, let's do it and see. Um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, that's the thing with the time, the time, you know, with the NFL game, I mean, it's just, it, to me, it's just, it just takes so much time. I've had people from over in England going, I don't get to go football because, you know, it's stop and start and stop and start. I go, well, have you watched a Canadian game? And it's like, I didn't know there was, you know, I'm like, yeah, you need to watch Canadian game. Cause it's, uh, it, 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 it there's a flow of the game that's different in Canadian and in the Canadian game than there is in the American game, which is why I love, you know, watching the Canadian game. It just, I, I literally turn around and like, wait a minute, I, you know, w- grab my coffee and Nick's, they can rattle off three plays just yeah, turning around. And, yeah. 
temple, 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 and, and, and let's go. And, you know, the other thing, uh, this is a hill I will die on as well. Go to an NFL game, and an NFL is a spectacle. I love going to NFL games, don't get me wrong, but I'm right. just talking from, from the on-the-field product. What is worse than going to an NFL game? Touchdown, yay, two-minute commercial break. Right. Kickoff. Yep. After the kickoff, if it was a sustained drive, commercial break. Right. Another two minutes. You've got at least six or seven minutes between offensive plays. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. CFL, you get a two-minute break, back at it. And yeah. there are fewer breaks, which obviously, you know, leads to the discussion about, you know, how football being the business and everything. So right. just from a life standpoint, it's it to me, it's way more fan-friendly. And I'll throw this at you guys. Name an American rules football rule that's more fan friendly than a than a CFL counterpart. No, I can't. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, right. And, and that's what's funny. And, and Greg knows this, but when I first started watching the CFL in the seventies, you know, my dad, oh, you know, I really like this game except for the downs. They need four downs, and that was the bit. I mean, it was a friendly argument, but you know, my take was no. This is perfect because with three downs, there's a sense of urgency every play. You know, in, in the NFL, college football, whatever, a lot of times first down, plunge into the line just to see what the defense is doing. You can't do that in the CFL. That's what makes it better. Every single down is extremely important. One of the things that we have going for us is the kick return, Yeah. right? Every kickoff is returned in the CFL unless yep. it goes out of bounds and you get it at the 40. Um, punts. Don't hit me. You know, I, I hate that rule in the NFL. I wish they'd go to a halo, but uh, they don't. So, you know, missed field goal returns. What's more exciting on a big field than a speedster with a full field in front of them? The closest thing we've ever had down here in the States was when Devin Hester played for the Bears. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And it, and it happened on a windy day at Soldier Field where, uh, you know, you're watching that ball going, oh, he's going to catch it. Oh, and it, like – I. I think it was uh, I think I was watching a game with a friend of mine. I go, that's Canadian football right there. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's how they return field goals. If not, you lose. You know, you, you know, so much ignorance down here when it comes to the Canadian brand of football that he's like, oh, and now he's watching Canadian football. Yeah. Motion motion uh, helps offense, yeah. right? Uh, the line off the ball helps the offensive lineman. So I mean, there's there's all these rules that are there to promote offense. And uh, you know, as much as I love the NFL. The Canadian game, the rules are much more fan friendly and pro, uh, promote yeah. offense much more. Well, and also no, too, I agree, the, the, I agree completely. Yeah, and also too, the the product itself. To me, Canadian football. I watch Canadian game down here in ESPN, watching the TSN feed, or I'm listening to you, you know, via streaming or, or something like that. It is very much. It's not a you know I, I I like the fact it's the Canadian game and the guys that broadcast it are working guys that are true Joes are true fans. And it's sometimes, you know, I wouldn't, you guys do not try to compete at all with the product that the NFL puts on you guys in the booth are, are not only true fans, but you're also know the game inside and out. Like when we were talking to Matt Dunnigan last summer, um, there's just so much, I don't even know how to describe it. Help me out, Scott, in terms of just, you know, the broadcasts that come through, they're just very genuine, I guess is what I'm saying. You guys know this league better than anybody, and it comes through 
when not only talking about the guys who are currently on the field, but also talking about the guys who used to play the game, which, and you've been with the Argos for a long time. So you've got a great knowledge base and with history. Well, there's, there's an old beer commercial in Canada that said those who like it, like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it with the CFL. Those who like it really like the CFL. And, you know, I don't know how much, like, I, I don't know if Terry Bradshaw is who he is off the air, right? But he's this big, larger than life character on the air. I can guarantee you, you talk to guys that you watch or listen to, there's no act. Like, just who right. they are is who they are. Like, nobody's, you know, up there juggling a chainsaw and our live snake at the yeah. same time, you know, to, to be the entertainment. Um, you know, it's just, we are who we are. And, you know, the, the one uh, gentleman that I worked with a long time, Chris Schultz, um, who I worked with in radio, we, we've known each other for 20 odd years, however long it had been, and almost 30 years. Um, you know, the one thing that I think that our chemistry really clicked was we both knew that the game was the thing. Yeah. We're just the ones who are providing you know, what's going on on the field and trying to show that these guys are the stars. Um, we're not the stars. And I think sometimes, especially on television stateside, there's always this, you know, hey, look at me, I've got my thing. I've got, I've got my, my, my catchphrase that I've got to get going. No, we're just, we're just working schmoes. That's all we are. We're grinders. And realize that the coolest job in the world is to talk football for a living. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we love it. I mean, every, you know, Every CFL telecast, and, and, and Greg and I have talked about this a lot, but getting back to what you were saying earlier, I think, you know, and this is from a guy way south of the border, <laughs> but yeah. when I'm watching a CFL game, it, it's like the entire community is involved. It's like when you watch that team, and I, you'd mentioned that you became a fan of the Rams due to the colors and stuff. Well, that's how I became a Ticats fan. I like black and gold, and I thought Ticats was an interesting yeah. – yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm blocked and reported, but, <laughs> but, you know, that, that's how I became a fan. But the thing is, it just seems like the teams are actually part of the community, and you just don't see that in the NFL. They're franchises, but they're owned by whoever owns the franchise, where the teams really are part of that city. Biggest off difference – uh, off-field difference between the two leagues. Go to a Super Bowl, go to a Grey Cup. Right. You go to a Super Bowl, if you want to go to one of the parties, one of the big parties, you better have five grand for the ticket. You, yeah. you, you better know somebody to even have the option to overpay for the ticket. You go to the Grey Cup, you go to the Spirit of Edmonton, you're going to have a beer with a couple of current players who aren't playing that particular weekend and probably some Hall of Famers you're going to see in there as well. Um, that's just that's the way we roll up here it's it's a party for the people and that's that's one of the great differences this cfl in this country is in every man's let's go up roll up our sleeves um you know you're a tie cat fan i'm an argo fan at spirit of edmonton the night before the game we're going to be having a beer together with our arms around each other talking about the the highs and lows a little bit of friendly trash talk and it's going to be <laughs> the same thing with bomber and 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 uh stamp or uh Rough Rider fans and Stampeder and Edmonton fans, they're going to be there just having a beer and celebrating the game. That's what we do in the CFL community. And with the Argos, I mean, you've got, you've got a very hardcore um, hardcore fan base with the diehards. I mean, I know uh, Doug Ballinger is one of those guys. He's a friend of mine. And uh, when it comes to the Argos, now, a lot of people, when I explain football down here in the States, I go, you have to understand, football was invented, A, 
pro football started in Canada. Didn't really start here in the States. In Toronto. Started in Toronto. And so you've been with, let me ask you, how long have you been with the Argos? Either affiliated, I know, you know, I mean, you write for for Argonauts.ca. You're the play-by-play guy. How long have you been with the team? Uh, As the communications manager since 2018 in training camp. I started doing play-by-play in 2000. Uh, Our station had the rights for just two years. We lost it for four or five years. And then I came back in 2007. And I've been doing the play-by-play continuously since then. So I think it's 16, 17 years, whatever, with the lost season. So long enough. Okay. And so during that time, I mean, you've, you've been witness to a lot of great teams. Who were some of your, some of your favorite teams? Um, Yeah. Just off top of your head. The, I, I think it's very difficult to beat the Flutie years up here. Okay. Um, you know, my heart, because I was a kid and it was the first time the Argos, even though I remember the 71 team, uh, the early 80s teams with Conrad Holloway and Terry Greer. And like, that was just a bolt of lightning because the Argos were so bad for so long and really captured the city. And it was 45,000 at every game. And you know, the, the Great Cup parade was it was ridiculous. And the John Candy year with Rocket Ismail, 91, was a blast. And Matt Dunnigan. But the Doug Flutie years, those teams were ridiculous, just insane. And I, I if it's not the best team in CFL history, and I know the Edmonton folks are going apoplectic as they hear this <laughs> with, the, with the five in a row. But just the two years that Flutie was here, it wasn't just Flutie. It wasn't just Pinball Clemens. It, w- it wasn't just the offense. That defense, like Edmonton's, was insanely good and yeah. never gets the kind of, of recognition. And Mike Vanderjap was the kicker, and he went on to become, at the top for a long time, the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Oh, yeah. Um, so we had, we had basically everything covered. The return game was great. Um, it was just – it was almost a perfect game, a perfect team. Don Matthews is a head coach arguably the best head coach in league history. So it yeah. was, it was a ridiculously good team. It's, it, it, and my highlight as an Argo fan, uh, season ticket holder back in the day, um, they won the 96 gray cup in a blizzard. I was just going to ask you about what that, what was that like? <laughs> I think it was nine lead changes in the first half. Like it was crazy. Big play touchdowns each way kick return touchdowns each way, interception return touchdown to clinch it. Um, to see them in that snowstorm at the end of the game, lift the gray cup over their head in Hamilton was just <laughs> awesome. And it was the guys on the stage, you know, it was pinball, it was Mike O'Shea, it was Paul Masati, it was just, it was Flutie. It was guys that just, you really loved as, as Donnie Wilson, uh, Peter Bershaw were the other guys up on the stage. It was it was just awesome. Yeah. And then that's too. That's when the CFL was back. Put on notice, we are back because it was coming off, you know, the American expansion yeah. and and the, you know, except for Baltimore, the disaster that was all the teams down here. But that's what you know. Really, to me, when I watch that game, it's like you could even feel twenty. You know, God, I don't know how many years later now are we? What 25, 26? Yeah. But you can still feel it. And watching that replay of the game on YouTube, just there was that feeling like we're back and it was a statement game, not just by the Argos, but by the entire league. There were the usual suspects that we, that were writing, this is going to be the last gray cup. And, you know, it's, it's almost now like we get the annual, this is the last year of the gray cup story. 
yeah. uh, from the same guys that have written about it for 25, 30 years. Uh, it ain't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's what I tell people. I go, it's not, it's not going. And, you know, anybody who's pontificating about the demise of the CFL, especially here in the States, I'm like, you have no idea what this league has gone through, whether it be depression, whether it be pandemics, whether it be war. I mean, it's going to be around for much, much longer than we are. Oh, no, no question about that. And, you know, will there be some changes? I hope so. I mean, yeah. I hope the game keeps evolving. And, you know, I, I've said the same thing since the 70s. I hope our game continues to get better. I hope right. every game, every sport finds something that it can tweak in the offseason to make it a more entertaining product. I hope baseball does the same, even though I don't think it did this year, but that's another story. For right. Me. <laughs> I hate the designated hitter with every fiber of my being. And yeah, you sell out my dad. He just... They just, it takes the strategy out of the game. I don't want to watch a DH. Yeah, he hated it. Let's <laughs> let's eliminate the shift. What's next year? We're going to eliminate curveballs so we can get more offense? I mean, come on. <laughs> Pitch coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Baseball's lost me. And if you had said that to my 25-year-old self or my 5-year-old self, uh, I'd be I'd be laughing at my 58 year old self, but right. Oh yeah, it's it's not. It's it's I, baseball. I'm done. I just I just so I don't watch it at all. I couldn't tell you right now, honestly. I couldn't tell you who played in the World Series last year. You know what? Neither could I. Same way. Neither I mean, could I, I. Actually, I think about it. Crazy, uh, crazy. I, I, I like minor league baseball. I still like it because there is a certain community, especially in Birmingham, the Bears. Right. There's there's a history there. But yeah, I'm like you when. It's like every season for the past four or five years, when the season starts, I think, oh, this is great. And then I'll start watching a game on opening day. And then about five minutes in, yeah, I'm done. I'll read about what happens. It's just, it's the same way. It's just changed so much. I just don't really care anymore. I've gotten to the point with baseball where I'm going back again. Thank God for YouTube. But being here in Chicago, people forget. Actually, there's a whole, you know, fandom that doesn't realize Harry Carey used to broadcast White Sox games. And so there was a magic and madness of Jimmy Pearsall and Harry Carey in the booth during White Sox games that you're like, Oh, I, you know what? Now as an adult, I get the reference. Oh, I know what he's talking about now. Or even going back and watching, you know, back in the seventies, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, the Cubs and Phillies had like a 24 to 23 game. And I'm still like midway through it. It's just, it, there's something magical about, again, again, maybe just because we're older and we have a different perspective from, you know, the 20th century, but watching those old games and just, there was a nostalgia. You can feel 12 again. And, but uh, yeah, yeah, like you, baseball's kind of lost me. I grew up on small ball, right? Yeah. Like, especially mm-hmm. as an Expos fan, uh, right. being in the National League East, when it was not only LaFleur and Cash and Reigns and Dawson and all, Cromartie and guys, Rodney Scott. Bill uh, go back, go back and look at one year. Rodney Scott hit like two ten, and scored like eighty runs. <laughs> <laughs> he was sixty and ten or something as a, in stolen bases, um, but it, it, just ridiculous stuff like that. And then every team in the division had guys like that. Yeah. Omar Marino and Vince Coleman and Ozzie Smith and mm-hmm. uh, Willie McGee, like all these guys who could just fly. And I love that style of baseball. And oh yeah. Yeah, I'm in a base. I'm in a baseball simulation league, and we're starting in 1970. So all those guys from growing up, it's like, oh, I'm gonna keep an. You know, it's like I'm gonna. Why are you grabbing them? I go, well, 
go look at baseball reference and see what he did seven years from now. It's like, I need <laughs> that guy now. Cause I know at some point somebody's going to figure it out and I'm going to grab him now. And if he's got to sit on my bench, Hey, that's okay. That's okay. I need him for later. Yeah, I need him for later. Um, so when it comes to, you know, we're talking about Argos history and everything there, there's one period that I just love the most. And I know Paul Woods wrote a great book on it and it's the John Candy years. What are some of your, yeah. So what are you, some of your best memories of John Candy and that whole team? I, uh, I was just, I just moved to Toronto in 91 on a part-time basis. Okay. And then in, in 92 kind of moved up here when, when the fan 590 uh, really took off. Um, so I was, I had no, you know, credentials or anything like that. I just went to a couple of games um, because I was unemployed for the most part. So I couldn't afford to go down to the games as inexpensive as they are, uh, but watched the games on TV and was just, you know, blown away. I'm a Notre Dame guy. I could not believe Rocket Ismail was coming to Toronto. I just, that just did not compute. The guy who was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, uh, we didn't get ESPN up here, but but the, the clip was well played up here. Uh, Chris Berman saying that the rocket is going north uh, on the morning of the of the NFL draft. Uh, you know, just mind numbing because if there was ever a guy built to play in the CFL, it was Rocket Ismail yeah. uh, with his four two five speed or whatever it was, just ridiculous speed. Um, he was insane, and you know it's bad when they're kicking two pinball Clemens on kickoff <laughs> because the other guy back with him is the rock. I mean, think about that for a moment. Pinball Clemens carried the ball, caught the ball, returned the ball more than any player in the history of pro football, either side of the border. And it's not really close. Um, and to have him back there with, uh, with a guy who could just, you know, take off and, and just run by guys. Uh, it was, it was crazy to think about that, that duo of returning kickoffs. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, no, you got a choice between the two. It's yeah, it's you're weighing it heavily and no matter who you kick to is a bad choice. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was fun. I mean, they brought in Matt Dunnigan that year and uh, you know, he had the rep of being the big strong arm guy and he was and, and brought some swagger, you know, that that's never a bad thing when you're in a market where in the summer, the Blue Jays were just on the, on, on the verge. They were on that upward spiral from about, or upward climb from about 85 on and still hadn't won. Right. So there was that hunger among baseball fans in Toronto uh, with such an entertaining team as that early 90s team was, you know, is this year, is this year? And then you got yeah. in the same building, you know, Rocket Ismail. And, you know, everybody knew who the Rocket was, even if you weren't a, uh, a CFL fan, you just knew who he was if you were a football fan. So yeah. that was that was part of the, the allure, and you know, with Candy there bringing his friends from Hollywood to games, was it was it going to be Martin Short at the game? Was it going to be you know he was in a movie with Mariel Hemingway? Was she going to be at the game? And the answer was usually yes. Yeah, because um, it was it was just it was just a fun era <laughs> to be an Argo fan. And it's you know I mean and with Candy I mean and Paul and I agree with Paul Paul and we've had this discussion. Candy saved the CFL. I mean, he looked at American expansion, he pushed it, got it, and that helped, you know, get to 96 and then, you know, move forward with, uh, with, um, but with Candy, I mean, that, that Argos team also then you had the Blue Jays a couple years later, 
hit the World Series, you know, and they just demolished my White Sox during that uh, playoff <laughs> series. So that's why I remember the uh, Blue Jays very well that year because I went to a lot of White Sox games and I'm like, this is the year. Then the Blue Jays come in and just demolish the White Sox and the, and their yeah. new stadium. So, um, well, let's talk about your. You've been writing for Argonauts.ca for for a while, and some of the articles that I focused on lately have been towards what you've written about the international um, CFL 2.0. Who do you ha- who do the Argonauts who are the Argonauts looking at anybody this year to bring in on the international side? I mean. Obviously, I know the kicking game, um, you, the Argos, you know, looked uh, very far east in Japan for help with kick, with kicking. Yeah, we, so. Our three not, uh, global players last year, Tiki Sanko uh, is a great story. He was born in Sierra Leone and then moved to the Baltimore area, Baltimore, somewhere between Baltimore and D.C., and then uh, went to England okay. and, you know, got into the NFL international program. Uh, so he was with the Cleveland Browns for two years uh, on their roster. So he learned a very high level of football, obviously, brought it to Toronto, got hurt last year, but he, he, he can be a real impact player, especially on special teams. Um, you mentioned Toshi Sato, who's just, you know, everybody was pulling for Toshi when he got in, uh, had a 60-yard single, a punt single in that game. Um, he's a really good place kicker. Yeah. Uh, his hunting has something – you know, he's got to work on that, obviously, but he'd never done it. Like he was right. just, pri- he was just specifically a place kicker and they say, yeah. Oh, now you got to go punt. Huh? So he's punting from the beginning of camp to the end of the season got better, but still not at the CFL level, obviously. And then Asmel Robo is a guy who uh, uh, was born in, uh, I think Guyana and then raised in France where he saw American rules football and went, this is cool. And, and, you know, came over and went to the University of Montreal and played there. So, um, you know, the, the, the global draft is the same day as the CFL draft this May. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But if we can add another great global player, um, great. Yeah. I mean, the more talent, the better. And the more that I really like the concept of 2.0. I know not everybody does. Um, but there are leagues around the world that have really good athletes. And if this is a way to encourage those athletes to stick with football, as opposed to going and playing soccer or, or basketball or volleyball or whatever the sport may be, have at it. Like, let's get these guys over. And if it exposes our game globally, let's say, you know, we, we, we get somebody from the German football federation who comes over here and can play and, and start all of a sudden we're getting more eyes on our game. And yeah. that's what we want, right? And even if it's a, a, a pittance of a television contract paid by French TV or German TV or Mexican TV, um, it's still money coming in. Right. So, right. you know, right now there are there are some players in the global experience who probably shouldn't be playing in the CFL, but the goal is to get them there. Yeah. And that's I, I see the long-term goal as being something positive. Um, you know, right now it's, it's not where it should be in terms of talent, but do I think we can get there? Yes, I do. Okay. And with exposure with the CFL, do you foresee a time, any, I mean, you're probably closest to anybody that we've talked to that knows, you know, I mean, you know, the commissioner, you know, that, is there been any talk about the CFL doing a game overseas? Um, 
just for the exposure? Is it, would there be any benefit in them, you know, saying playing a game, you know, in, in England or even in, in Japan with, with, you know, the X league is right there. Has there been any, have you heard any hint or any rumor of that at all? Haven't heard that at all. I mean, you, you hear about the, the neutral site games and, um, you know, we're scheduled to have one this summer. Uh, details coming soon, as far as I know. Um, but you know, I think exposing our game in our country is probably the main thing. Like if we're yeah. going to do that, uh, if this is indeed another trip down to the Maritimes, uh, that's great. I mean, let's, let, let's hope that it can catch fire down there and we get that 10th CFL team and it is in the Maritimes so we can go coast to right. coast. Um, whether it be in Halifax or Moncton or wherever they decide to, to, to put a team. I think every fan in the country wants to see that. Yeah. And having been to Halifax, that'd be a hell of a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great party town. So um, I, I'm all in favor of it. But, but, but exposing the game internationally in that way, yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if we're there. And I don't know how many stadiums would be able to accommodate a 130-yard field. 150 yard field and 65 wide well definitely they don't want to you know the cfl does not want to do what they did at the liberty bowl down in memphis and <laughs> you didn't like the ramp <laughs> yeah you know that was that was true for a lot of the american franchises i think uh, legion field i don't think their end zones were were both 20 yards deep either but but i was a big cfl guy anyway so when some of my fellow news writer or newspaper peers would complain about it i'd say well it's like baseball. I mean, they're different, you know, they're different dimensions and outfields. That's just how they're doing it. I didn't really believe that, but it sounded like a good, <laughs> a good thing to say at the time. What does everybody love Fenway park? Because it's got a ridiculously short left field. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Hey, Mike, we really appreciate it. We know we're, you were taking uh, valuable family time and everything on this Sunday morning. So, um, hey, thank you for joining us. I know um, it's been a while. This is our first podcast in two months. And right. um, I've you know been wanting to talk to you. We've both been wanting to talk to you for a long time. But before we let you go, is there anybody, I'm sorry, is there, where can people not only find you, but read all your great articles and stuff? At Mike Hogan Argos is uh, the easiest way to get me if you have any questions or anything. I respond to basically everything. Um, so you can find me easiest on Twitter and, uh, the articles are at argonauts.ca and, uh, you know, the, the, the one thing that uh, I'm really thankful for is, um, the access I get from our organization to just go and tell stories, uh, you know, being able to sit in there on draft day or free agency day and tell our story, uh, with basically no restrictions other than don't talk about players that we didn't sign or, or draft. Um, that kind of access, I think, is just unparalleled by any team in any league. So uh, I, I'm really lucky to be able to do what I do um, for, for an organization that uh, understands that, you know, as you mentioned, we've got such a diehard core of fans. We just need to expand on that number. Um, that's that's goal one with the organization. But we right. got I'll put our I'll put our base of fans up against any any team in any sport, any league, whatever, uh, because you guys know in, in your connection with Argo fans, just how passionate everybody is and just wants this thing to work so badly, uh, including the people in our organization. So anytime I can talk to guys like you who, who preach the gospel, uh, just, you know, you, you've got my, my name, my number, my contacts, just, just pick up the phone, hit me up on social media and, and we'll do this again. Awesome. Oh, well, hold on. We're going to, we're going to talk to you more on the flip side when we end, but again, for everybody listening, 
Mike Hogan with the Argonauts play-by-play and uh, a definitely a must-read for anybody out there who loves Canadian, who loves football writing in general. Um, Mike, you got some great stuff out there that I still, every now, even this morning, I was uh, digging through some past articles, greatly enjoying what you've written. So That's thank you fine. again. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And thank you again for joining us. And speaking for Scott and myself, Scott, any final words before we let it, we, we let our listeners go? No, just this has been so much fun. You know, uh, big fan, Mike. I mean, love what you write. And uh, just I'm glad that we're going to have a normal, hopefully as close to normal as possible, CFL season this year. You're here. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us. My pleasure. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com 
forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.